Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Collazo and Jeff Walston. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Collazo, here with my co-host, Jeff Walston. How's it going, my friend? Going great. Uh, another busy week. Uh, we're in the middle of it on Wednesday, so I'm ready to start going down the backside of the hill, I guess, uh, finish the week out strong. What about you, Rafael? Yeah, same. I got I got a couple showings this afternoon, and then I got uh, several things tomorrow, and then actually this weekend I'm going to be heading up to see a good friend of mine in Columbus. We're going to partake in the Hall- Halloween celebrations, and uh, it'll be the first time my fiance Melanie gets a chance to go to Columbus. So we'll we'll go explore the city a bit too. It sounds exciting. Speaking of excitement, we finally did your interview on the podcast. I'm so excited, guys. You're going to learn a lot about Raphael for all the countries that he grew up in uh, his his dad was in the air force and uh they traveled around different parts of europe and then finally came back to the, or came to the united states and uh where he went to college um and he got in a degree in industrial engineering which brought him to other countries as well dealing with uh, the tax uh information uh programming and such but it actually brought him back around I think I believe that as he was walking down the street, it, it kind of clicked that he, he wants to do more. And for his more was commercial real estate. So um, he came to Louisville. Uh, he found a broker, um, which is the Crisanti Group. And now he's a commercial real estate broker. And uh, another avenue that he went to is on, on commercial real estate is in retail. Uh, he kind of dives in, the, in and outs of those things, especially with first-time investing. Um, and he also stresses the importance of a social media brand and presence if you're in the commercial real estate sector and or any other business. Um, and he also dives into several of his books that he's wrote over the years. Um, and he even tells you a little bit about a most impactful book that I'm kind of excited for you guys to read and, and take his advice on. Um, so without further ado, Take a listen. Thanks, guys. Hey, Raphael. How's it going? Hey, Jeff. Uh, it's great to be with you, as always. Uh, excited to be on the podcast. I know, uh, obviously, I'm on the podcast on the other end, typically, but you know, I'm really excited to be here and be a guest. Uh, it's definitely a long time coming for you, right? I know. Yeah, I know. We, we actually we did your podcast uh, interview uh, several weeks ago, um, and now it's kind of come my turn and I'm excited to kind of share whatever insights I can with uh, our listeners and yeah, excited to be here. Let's get started. Um, So tell us a little bit about yourself so all the listeners out there can learn a little bit more about you. Yeah, sure. Uh, So again, I have kind of an interesting background to say the least. Uh, I was actually born in Northeast Italy. My mom is Italian. My dad's Puerto Rican. Uh, My dad was a pediatrician in the Air Force um, and got stationed in Aviano Air Base, which is a big uh, Air Force base in Italy. And that's where he met my mother. He had uh, myself and my twin or fraternal brother, fraternal twin brother, I should say. 
in Italy. And, you know, we traveled around Europe a lot when I was younger, uh, lived in Belgium or Germany for several years in Southern Belgium, and then moved over to, Be uh, I'm sorry, Southern Germany, and then moved over to Belgium uh, at Shape, which is Supreme Headquarters, Allied Powers Europe, NATO Headquarters. And we were there for five years before moving to Arizona. I uh, went to high school in Southern Arizona, went to Arizona State, got my engineering degree uh, in industrial engineering and economics, and then got into the software business. I worked at a company where we implemented software systems for government agencies for about five years. And I got the opportunity to work on really big high exposure projects in Washington, DC for about a year and a half. Then I moved down to Puerto Rico for two years. And then after Hurricane Maria, uh, put the project on hold down there. I was actually moved up to Louisville uh, to implement a software system for the city. It was supposed to be temporary, but then, you know, the project manager uh, wanted to keep me around. And so it became more of a permanent type of uh, position. Uh, back in 2000, I want to say March or no, July of 2019, I got my real estate license. Um, and then I've been in commercial real estate ever since. Um, it's been, you know, ups and downs as, as all entrepreneurship is, but it's it's something that I think really lends itself well to my personality. And, you know, I've always kind of been an entrepreneur. I've, I had a catering business in college that I ran for a while and managed a restaurant a little bit after college because I wanted to kind of become a restaurateur. And I learned really quickly, it wasn't my calling, but uh, I always knew I had the entrepreneurial itch. And so getting into commercial real estate and being involved in this for the last several years has definitely been something that I've enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds like you're real wound, uh, cultured, I would say, moving around to all those places over the years. And, um, and I'm sure you have a lot of stories that you could tell and spend several podcasts uh, going on and on about all that. Um, but we're going to take it on a side note here and really dive into what got you interested in commercial real estate. Was there a time and place that you're walking around on the street and it's like, you know what? I'd rather lease or, you know, help someone get this business. Like what, what got you interested? Yeah. So that's a great question. Uh, again, I, I don't come from an entrepreneurial family. Uh, although my, my family did stress education heavily. Again, my dad's a physician. He's an MD. Uh, my grandparents and in particular on my, my, my dad's side, they were full about education. My, both my, my grandparents were educators. My grandfather was a, a military man for 25 years and got into education uh, on the high school and college level. So that was kind of the, the lens with which I viewed the world. Uh, the reason why I got into real estate in particular was because my mom actually made a transition into real estate back in 2009, uh, pretty much right after the, the financial crisis started. And, you know, I, I, I saw her have, you know, flexibility in what she was able to do. And it was a very entrepreneurial type of endeavor. And so Initially, I thought, you know, she's doing that. So might as well look to, to see if I can get into the residential side, because that was something that, you know, a lot of people, you know, kind of get into. And, and, and you know, the, the thought is you do residential and then work your way up to commercial. However, when I started doing research on residential real estate and commercial real estate, I realized that commercial just kind of spoke to me more. Uh, the main reason why is because similar to what I've just said recently was, I'm a very entrepreneurial type of individual, you know, and I have a very, I, I believe I have a pretty decent so mind for business. And so being able to interact with business owners and investors on a, on a regular basis, you know, I think I can add significant value in that front. Additionally, you know, the things that residential clients look for versus business and investor clients look for is completely different. You know, on the residential side, you're, you're helping find families find their forever home a lot of times. And, you know, there's a lot of motion involved in, in that process. And, 
really what the, what their value is, you know, making sure there's enough space for their family, their, their pets, other school districts, uh, you know, good in this particular area. And that's great for that particular type of, of client. But I was really more focused on trying to help those individuals who are really trying to start the American dream or, or fulfill the American dream, right? Uh, start a business from scratch, you know, uh, have a heavy investment in, in, in their enterprise, hire people, create jobs. Um, and then on the investor side, I mean, allocate capital in order to make sure that it's it's going to serve their investors or really their their families and the generations within their family well. And so that was kind of the logic that I approached uh, on the commercial side. I, I did do a lot of research and, and did know that the commercial end is is definitely takes it has a significant ramp up period. And so one of the things that kind of helped me alleviate the the initial financial hardship was having a house hack. So I I, I bought a four unit property, uh, lived in one of the units, rented out the other three, which cut out my biggest expense. And you know, that's kind of what's helped me. Uh, although I had some reserves in place, that's what kind of helped me uh, get through the first year, year and a half, where you're making almost nothing. I mean, I think my first year I made like fifteen grand, uh, which again from going to making well over six figures to 15 grand. I mean, that's a significant change, but you know, ever since then I've been slowly building and you know, the third year I'm, I'm, I'm just close to my second year in the business and just looking like my third year is going to be a pretty solid year. So. That's great news that you're, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the, the whole thing about commercial real estate, right? You get into it and it, and it starts out slow and it seems like, you know, it's going to take forever. And then you start building on these, relationships and these points and the next thing you know you you start growing and growing and then then the limit you know you don't have a limit there exponentially you can grow to you know double tripling your salaries and uh, having a life that you actually want it through uh the commercial real estate vehicle so oh for I'm sure and, you... I, and i think the mindset piece is really something that people need to stress because you know yeah. those first 12 months to 18 months to two years is it's tough because you're not seeing immediate results and you're putting in a lot of action you're putting in a lot of effort and it's very easy to get disheartened with that uh, with that initial you know period of time where you're not seeing the results that you're expecting because when you're in a w2 job it's like okay i work for two weeks i get xyz amount of paycheck and that becomes like a um validation for the work that's been oh, put yeah. in but in entrepreneurship that's not the case you could work on something for 100 hours and it falls apart at the end, and then you have nothing to show for it. But those hundred hours have value in the sense that you're learning, and you can provide those experiences to future endeavors. You know, if if you continue along that path, you start building up a pipeline. So if things start falling through, there's things that come down the pike as well that you can work on. And so I think one of the biggest lessons that you learn in in any any endeavor, entrepreneurial endeavor, is is making sure that your your mindset is that of the long term approach and realizing that. You know, initially it's going to suck, and you're probably not going to really generate nearly as much income as you hoped you would. But you know, keep doing what you're doing, become an expert, and really help as many clients as you can, and build up that reputation. And then it starts, you know, kind of falling into place. Oh, I completely agree with you. Um, it's a mindset, lifestyle change that you have to get used to. I mean, you're you you are taking a step back, and just like you said that you were an industrial engineer. Um, and you know, make it six figures, and now, now all of a sudden, like you said, fifteen thousand your first year. That's a dramatic, like just that's a punch to the face almost. And when it comes to a lifestyle change of yeah. when, what you have to do with uh, all that. So, and speaking of your industrial engineering, how has that helped you uh, 
on your journey in commercial real estate. Um, is there anything that you've taken from that particular uh, yeah. career and moved it over? Yeah. So I never actually practiced, was a practicing industrial engineer. So I studied industrial engineering in college and I had several uh, uh, senior design, I had a senior design project where we implemented like a bagging machine into a production line uh, in order to, you know, streamline a particular process. But, you know, I never actually practiced industrial engineering. However, I will say that the education that I got in the engineering uh, realm uh, benefited me from ways, how do you approach a problem? Because there's there's certain times where you're going to focus on a very difficult problem and it may take you days to figure it out or hours and hours and hours of iteration and trying things out. I mean, I remember when we were like going through proofs on complex mathematical equations, you try different things out and you'd, you'd be looking at like the solution for these proofs and you're like, what in the world? Who the hell would come up with some of this stuff, you know? So it's one of those things where it just gets you thinking in a way of, you know, if this doesn't work out, how does, how can we incorporate this or how, how can we do that? So that's one of the things I learned. And obviously on the software end, which is what I did right out of college was, you know, we implemented software systems for government agencies. So we would have a, a software product that was like, let's say 70% complete. And then we would go on site and then work with our clients, which were primarily, you know, you know, upper management within government agencies to map out their business processes and then code the existing software or code around the existing software system to fit their unique needs. And so that in and of itself helped me immensely because now I'm interacting with people who are, you know, high up there within, within these, these organizations and you have to get buy-in for different things. And in particular, when you're coming on site and, you know, the system's been in place for decades. I mean, a lot of these systems were legacy systems from 80, the eighties and nineties. And so everyone already, you know, has been used to this system for a long period of time. And maybe they've even gone through some fail implementation attempts, meaning they've hired other companies to be able to change out the software system and it just failed. And now you're like the second or third iteration of this particular approach. And so, you know, building that trust with people uh, early on, uh, again, skill set you learn just from having been in the, in that environment for quite a period of time. And then obviously on the software end, it's a lot of iteration and a and it's a very collaborative environment. So like when, whenever I would face difficult problems in implementing a particular solution, I'd rope in a few of my colleagues and say, Hey, let's go to the whiteboard for a bit. Let's, let's draw this out. Let's try to think of these different, different ways that this thing could fall apart. You know, so we would draw the solution and, and kind of determine whether or not this was a particular, was this was, was correct. And then I would have my colleagues just try to poke holes in it and say, well, what about this scenario? What about this scenario? What happens in this case? And then it's like, oh, oh crap. Okay, this didn't work. Let's go back to the drawing board and try to figure out what uh, what a better approach would be. And then obviously compressed timelines, right? It was a very high stress environment. You're like, you have certain deadlines you have to hit and there's no excuses. So that run through a brick wall mentality was kind of just pushed into you. It's, a, it's It was that type of culture. Um, and, and again, I, I come from a sports background. I, I was in, I played football and wrestle in high school and Again, I had no aspirations for uh, collegiate play because I was never really that good. Uh, but, but again, it's that type of, uh, you know, nose to the grindstone approach that I learned through my experiences, both on the sports end and then finally on the, on the implementation consultant side. So I guess those are the, the, the ways that I refine my, my craft. And now in the commercial end, in the commercial real estate side, I mean, I take those exact skill sets and apply them to helping provide unique and and beneficial solutions to my clients, whether that's a business owner or an investor. 
Yeah, it's been, speaking of that, I, I know that your clients are uh, in commercial real estate. They're investors, right, or business owners and looking to lease, buy, purchase um, commercial real estate. Um, why did you choose to go into like the retail commercial avenue? And why didn't you go into like, say, industrial? What was that? Yeah, so you? that's a great question. Uh, I think, again, and, and I do have an interest in, in other commercial property types. I just feel like I have been more focused on the retail end recently just because there's so much variety, which is something that I really enjoy, you know, and in particular on the shopping center out, uh, you know, luckily I joined a, a great brokerage. Uh, my broker, Paul Grisanti, especially early on, he looped me in on, on different opportunities where we were representing clients to acquire shopping centers. And so I had, I had the, the opportunity to really just be the, 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 the workhorse on those deals and, you know, run all the numbers and do all the analysis and create all the lease abstracts and advise the client based on what the, the, the results showed. And so I got really granular into analyzing leases and you'd be very surprised about how some of these leases within these centers are, because a lot of times they don't use a uniform document. You know, there's one center we sold on, you know, for those of you guys who are listening outside of, of Louisville, there's this, there's this major road called Bartstown road and there's a Costco right across the street from this particular center that we, we eventually sold. And for that, that, uh, that building, I think there was like 11 tenants and there were nine lease templates. So, you know, there were two, two or three tenants in there that had the same lease templates, but all the rest were different. And so I had to go into each and every lease and read the contracts and then extract out important information of each of those documents. And I created like an Excel spreadsheet and created a lease abstract, which is like a summary of all the responsibilities of everyone within that, that agreement. And then I said, okay, tenants responsible for this up to $250, the, you know, uh, landlords responsible for this up to XYZ. And that's all based on what was referenced within that lease agreement. And so, you know, I got very granular into that, that, uh, that property type and, you know, I saw the opportunity and I, I it's one of those things that, you know, the, the, the Vogue property types right now are multifamily and industrial for, for obvious reasons. I mean, there's obviously, uh, a, people need places to live and in industrial real estate in particular uh, on the, log, on the logistics end, uh, is, is obvious why it's, it's super su successful because e-commerce has been blowing up in particular over COVID. However, I think there is a lot of utility within retail and especially the cross-section between retail and industrial, which is really what's going to happen in my opinion, long-term. You're already seeing a lot of these e-commerce giants starting to invest heavily in having a physical location. You know, there's, there's utility in having, you know, let's say Amazon buys a storefront, you know, there's Amazon four star, which is like a, you know, store where all the products within that store are four stars or up within Amazon. Uh, and that gives people an opportunity to deliver products from a, from a last mile perspective, meaning that if someone orders something on Amazon and it's close by to their home, it, they can deliver it a lot quicker and then shorten the timeline to be able to have that delivery. And if people want to return something, because that's one of the things that's really annoying for people is, is having to deal with the postage and sending back all the the, the, the products that they don't want. Now it's like, okay, I, I bought this shirt. It's too big or something. I'm going to go down to the Amazon store and return it. And then, oh, by the way, while you're here, here's 40 other items that you could potentially buy. So it creates that upsell opportunity. So I think a lot of e-commerce companies are starting to realize the utility in that. And I think there will be a point where e-commerce and retail, there's an equilibrium point. 
Um, I, I definitely don't think that you know retail, especially physical retail, is going to go away long term. Well, no, I think people still want to go see and you know inanimate objects, right? They want to touch and feel and look and see. And uh, I mean, you can't really tell. For me, uh, as a commercial general contractor, con construction guy, right? I, I want to actually see it in plain sight to see how well it's built before I purchase it. So I have a lot of hard times uh, going on Amazon and purchasing something without reading a thousand different views reviews to see. Uh, so yeah, I can see how that definitely, that's going to be a thing uh, coming up for sure. And then yeah. in the future, it's not going to, I don't think they're going to wait too long before they start yeah, really pushing and, that. And I don't, and I think also in the sense that if, if you don't like something, like think about that. Like what, if you want to, if you want to return something today that on Amazon, typically it's like, okay, now you got to print the label. Now you got to put it on a, on a postage box. Now you got to go to the post office or sometimes they'll, you know, you can drop it off here and the post office will pick it up or whatever. But if you have the opportunity to say, Oh, you know, I, I don't really like what I bought here. Let me go on my lunch break down to the Amazon store and drop it off. And, you know, we can exchange it for something in store or while I'm there, hey, there's 40 other things that I could buy there. I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of utility there. You know, the upsell opportunity. What what's what's the upsell the upsell opportunity from a percentage standpoint uh, for revenue up to the bottom line? I mean, that could be significant because the 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 lower the barrier to purchasing, and that's what Amazon does. That's why they have the Amazon buttons where you can literally click something or a tide. You know, you need more tide. You click the tide button and it'll order for you and send it to you. Right. Because yeah. if you if you remove the barrier to purchase, you have a lot higher probability of actually purchasing a particular item. So I think that's one thing that that physical retail offers uh, these commerce giants, and not only that, but brand recognition. I mean, there's something to be said about having your brand in front of people on a regular basis. Like you know, there, let's say there's forty or fifty thousand cars going down a road on a regular basis, and there's a great visibility to your particular storefront where you have your name showing up every single day. I mean, that's there's a reason why people pay thousands and thousands of dollars to have their billboard hanging over over a road, right? There, there again, it's it's just keeping yourself front of mind so that when a decision to purchase does come into play or a decision to use someone's services does come into play, you're the first person or the first company they think of. Absolutely. So actually I I was wanting to switch gears here uh cuz I know you're a huge advocate on social media um, how important is the social media branding for commercial real estate and how has that um, elevated your growth in the commercial real estate aspect? Sure. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. that's a great question. And I'm, I'm like you mentioned, I'm a huge advocate for, you know, social media and social proof in general. So, you know, as far as a direct value for, you know, someone commenting on my post and wanting to buy a commercial property, that's really not where the utility lies. The utility lies in, 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 in the idea of becoming a recognized expert, right? Because you don't know who knows who, right? So, you know, there's plenty of people out there right now that I've never personally met in my life, but they listen to a piece of content that I produce. And now it's like, they, they already know who I am. And maybe they know someone that's looking for a commercial property. Who knows, right? So they'll say, hey, by the way, I actually listened to this guy on the other day on a podcast or I saw him on YouTube, a YouTube video or, you know, I, I follow him on LinkedIn and I just saw him post about something and I thought you'd, you, you may want to reach out to him or something like that because it, it, it's, just, it's just all the different nodes, right? Because 
if 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 you think about it, let's say on LinkedIn, for example, if you have a thousand or five hundred people on LinkedIn, and each of those people have five hundred people that they're connected to that are in, individuals, that's twenty five thousand people that you're connected to from a second degree connection. So that's significant. So imagine now you expand that network and say, okay, now I know a thousand people, and each of those people know a thousand people. You're talking a lot, a lot more broad of a reach, and so. Again, any type of uh, transaction, especially in commercial real estate, where the the transaction vol the volume's lower, but the the price tag or the the, the spread is higher, being that front of mind person is is critical. Um, and so, you know, that's kind of why I advocate for it. And you know, again, it also helps with you know if I interact with someone that could potentially be a client, you better believe they're going to look me up online, and oh, the yeah. first thing they're going to see is oh. He's got a LinkedIn page. Oh, he's got a podcast. Oh, he's got a YouTube channel. Oh, he's written a couple of books, you know? So that sort of thing. And, and it helps lower that barrier to wanting to do business. Because again, in any sales environment, whether you're talking, you know, residential real estate, commercial real estate, commerce, whatever, there initially is usually some tension involved because you don't know. You, you don't know if I'm trying to sell you a bad bill of goods or whatever, right? But if you feel like I'm a credible individual and you've, done the research on me and you determine that, hey, this guy seems to know what he's talking about. You know, he provides a lot of value to people and, you know, he seems to have a personality that I can mesh with. Then, you know, you kind of have done 80 or 90% of the work already. So I guess those are just some of the reasons why I think that uh, social media and really just building a brand in general, whether that's blogging or writing or whatever is, is important. Speaking of that, you um, have wrote several books. Uh, I know that you you had a goal in mind with those books. Can you kind of share what you were trying to do with the books that you started writing and now essentially you got how many how many do you got now? Yeah, I've got five published and then I got okay. a sixth one on the way. I'm almost done with it. I should be out here soon. Um yeah, I mean the the the, the initial purpose of the book was, you know, I'll give you some framework as far as why I decided to write in the first place. So back yeah. in 2016, you know, I was just turned 25 and you know, you would think I had it made, you know, I had, you know, a nice apartment on the beach in Puerto Rico. I was doing, I was in a very lucrative position doing really high exposure project work. And, you know, to, to, to the outside world, it looks like, man, this guy's got it made, but in, inside I didn't feel that way. I felt like lost and confused like any other 23, 24, 25 year old who didn't feel like they were living out their quote unquote purpose. And so I started doing a lot of research online uh, to try to get a feel for, you know, development, personal development in general. And so what I found was that a lot of the information that was of value to me was fragmented across the internet. So I decided to compile a lot of this information, kind of add my own interpretation to it. And then that's where my first blog came into, into fruition, which was the, uh, the Strong Professional. Uh, I used to write a blog post every two weeks uh, to, that talked about different topics related to personal and professional development. And then after about you know, a, a year or so, year and change of doing that, I realized that I had already written like thirty-five thousand words, and I had written, I had read an article that said that fifty thousand words was a two hundred-page book, and so, you know, I kind of, you know, added fifteen thousand words, rounded it out, and that was my first book. It was called the Millennial Playbook: uh, Proven Success Strategies for the Millennial Generation, and then from there, I wrote a book for each of the. The, the, the key topics that I talked about within the book, which was personal development, professional development, exercise, healthy eating habits, and finances. And so 
You know, I, my second book was on personal development. My third book was on professional development. My fourth book was on personal finance. Um, and then now that I'm in commercial real estate, I, I wrote a book called Before You Sign That Lease, The Small Business Owner's Guide to Leasing Commercial Space. And it explains the whole process of how to lease commercial property from start to finish. Because I felt a lot of people that are starting out in their entrepreneurial journey, just kind of wing it. They're like, oh yeah, like I'll just find a space and it'll all work out. When they don't and they don't realize what the the obligation or the 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 commitment that they're making when it comes to something like this. And so I thought it was that particular guide could really help someone as they're going through the process of leasing commercial space. And and my goal with with this series, because it's going to be a series, my next book is going to be called Before You Buy That Building. Then it's going to be Before You Sell That Building. And then once we, Jeff and I, uh, started a construction or a uh, development company, uh, we're going to start doing more commercial development projects. Then I'm going to write a book called Before You Develop That Building. And it's going to talk about the process of what do you look at when you're looking to develop or redevelop a project. So, you know, that's that's the goal with with the books. And, you know, the whole reason I do it is number one, for myself, you know, I, I really cements my knowledge of these particular subjects. And then really just to help people uh, in the space. Because again, I, I, I want to become a leader within the space. And one of the best ways to do that is to help as many people as you can. And so that's that was my logic to write the books. And that's why I continue to write as much as I do. Absolutely. So I know that you're huge at trying to help people out and particularly invested in commercial real estate. Uh, what advice would you give someone who's interested in investing for their first commercial property? Yeah, that's a great question. I think unless you're in the business, like you know something that we're doing, for example, where you have some reps with with other people's money, right? Because right now I, I've helped several investors uh, acquire commercial properties, so I know what they look for. I know I've I've analyzed these opportunities. I've looked at leases. I've you know I know all the different hurdles when it comes to zoning or you know some of the other characteristics of a parcel that may impact you negatively financially. So I, I would feel comfortable as, as I'm, we're going through the process of buying a, a property to, may, to may make that determination. If I was someone who was not necessarily involved in the commercial space and you know I wanted to invest in commercial property, I would team up with someone who has done it before, uh, at least your first go around. Just because, again, you, you need to get familiar with how the process works. You need to get familiar with how to properly structure deals. You need to get familiar with you know, what makes a good business in a, in, a, in a place versus one that's probably not a good fit. So it, again, it's, it's one of those things where there's a lot of moving parts. So getting with someone to invest, in particular, those who have experience doing so is probably a wise decision. Now, you know, if you have some experience investing maybe in multifamily and you have a couple of properties and you feel a little bit more comfortable in, investing as a whole, then, you know, maybe buying like a standalone property with like a, you know, a convenience store or, you know, some other uh, like uh, necess uh, necessary uses, uses. I mean, grocery stores performed extremely well during COVID, right? So buying something like that would be quite beneficial, in particular, if it's already built up a pretty solid um, base of, of, of customers. Um, along with that, you, you may consider, you know, buying a shopping center uh, and maybe teaming up with a few, few buddies or, or people to do that. Especially if it's a solid tenant mix that have long-term leases in place, they're triple net leases, so you have less responsibility from a management perspective. That could be a value too. And you know, as far as office properties, I can't really speak to that as much, just because that's not something that I do a ton of. I do some on the owner-user side, but not so much on the investment side. So, 
you know, it's finding the property type you like. And, and again, if, if you don't have experience with it, consider teaming up with someone to take one down and then get like a good team in place. So get a good commercial real estate attorney, get a great commercial real estate agent in your corner, and then also your accountant. Make sure you have a really strong accountant that understands real estate in particular, because there's a lot of utility in, in having someone in your corner that understands that. Absolutely. I I, on that team that you mentioned, I'd like to add, uh, get someone who's in the commercial construction realm as well. Um, 100%. They're going to give you that knowledge that, you know, it's just like a commercial real estate agent that you're not going to necessarily be able to find it in the book. And it takes years and years to gain that mass knowledge. Um, and so someone who has that experience will be hugely beneficial to your team and to purchasing your first property. Yeah, opinion. especially especially if you're looking at some sort of value add, like yeah. if you're if you're looking to buy a building that maybe isn't fully occupied, fully renovated, some someone like that in your corner is instrumental because uh, you you'll be the first to admit, Jeff. Like I've had I, I've I've worked with Jeff where with with several of my use owner user clients, and they're they're sometimes blown away by the cost of you know doing a complete build out or you know some of the repairs to an existing structure. And the reason for that is, you know, again, commercial real estate, you got to take into account public safety, which makes sure it makes means that you got to, there, there's a lot more rules and regulations, permitting, you know, materials may be different as well. And, you know, there's less commercial construction uh, individuals out there too. So it's one of those things where all these metrics play come into play where, you know, you have typically higher prices when it comes to renovations or, you know, build outs and timelines tend to be longer as well. So usually it's more expensive than you think and it takes twice twice as long as you as you expected. So, you know, having someone like that in your corner that can kind of paint the picture for you so you know what you're getting into is crucial for sure. Absolutely. Well to start the round out process, uh um one of the questions as you know that we like to ask is the uh, what's the most impactful book you've ever read? Um, I know that you're an avid reader, so I'm very curious of which particular book that you are going to point out for the audience. So, yeah, so and I, I talk about this book all the time, and and really, I mean, there's nothing like it's not it's a very simple concept, but it's one that I hadn't made the connection to until I read this book, and it was it's called the Comp Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And so the premise of the book is that small consistent action every day adds to adds up to massive results over time and you would say that's a very simple thought process but what it comes down to is consistency and dedication one of the examples he uses is like you know let's imagine you cut out a diet soda at lunch for a year well what's a diet soda 150 calories right how much is a pound well a pound is like 3,500 calories, right? So over the course of 23 or 24 days, you've lost a pound of fat. And so how many months are in a year? 12. Okay, so you're talking about 15 pounds of, of fat within a year. And then what happens when you lose 15 pounds of fat? You get more energy. You have, you're more focused, right? So that just compounds on top of each other. So now after year two, you're running you know, half marathons. You're doing whatever. And by year five... Hey, now you're you're running an Ironman. Who knows? You know that that's yeah. the type of logic. But if you apply that type of small, consistent action to anything you do, it doesn't matter what it is. How do you think I was able to write six books? That's by writing 250 words a day, 250 to 500 words a day. That's what I shoot for. 
you know, it's not a significant amount, but as you build on top of it, it adds up significantly over time. And so, yeah, I, I think that was a, I mean, by far the the most impactful book in my life. I read it when I was 23, luckily. And, you know, that kind of changed my entire trajectory. And then another great book, which I'll just add as a bonus is the Miracle Morning. Again, you want to win your mornings. You want to structure your mornings in, a, in an appropriate way to where you're able to, you know, get your exercise in, to meditate, to, you know, be grateful for what you have in life. And so that book is also extremely instrumental because if the rest of your day sucks and you have a really bad day, you know, for a fact that you won the morning, that's a win in my book. So. Absolutely. Um, so there's a CRE treasure chest that we have, and it's a repository of things that uh, people added to that's free for our viewers or listeners, as you know, uh, what is the, something that you're going to contribute to the treasure chest? Sure. Yeah, th that's a great question. I, I I love the the CRE treasure chest for that reason. It just does provide a, a bunch of cool pro, uh, PDFs, Excel's, whatever for for our listeners. But what I'm willing to contribute today is that I actually have a uh, a flyer or pamphlet that I that I like to share with people that that is how to find commercial deals. You know, because that's one of the things that I hear from people is like, are there any good commercial deals out there? And so I actually highlighted several of the top ways to identify those deals. You know not just on market, off market as well. And so uh, I'd be happy to share that with, with the audience and hopefully you gain some value from that and you can utilize that, that information to find another, find a commercial deal for yourself and, you know, start building that commercial real estate empire. Yeah. Uh, the last question, I just want to say it was about time. It's a long time coming that you got on here and did your episode. Uh, we really appreciate it. I know I do to find out more about you. Um, if someone else wants to reach out to you and contact you in the future, how can we reach out to you? Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. And it, it's been fun doing this because again, we, we get very used to, you know, interviewing other people, but sometimes it's like, it's nice to hear the, our, our backstory for the audience so that they know who they're, who, who's, who's in their ear once a week, you know? So, but, but as far as the, um, uh, contact information is concerned. Again, my name is Rafael Coyasso. You can reach out to me uh, via email at rafael at com, or you can just shoot me a text or call at 502-536-7315, especially if you're looking to lease or buy or sell commercial property here in Louisville and the surrounding areas. Uh, I also have a website where you can check out some of the things that I'm doing. Uh, check me out on Facebook. We run several meetups in town. So if you are ever in Louisville, feel free to reach out. Always happy to kind of be that conduit to make introductions with whoever you'd like to, to meet. And yeah, th those are kind of the best ways to do it. If you're looking to lease commercial property, also check out my book the, before you sign that lease. It's, I mean, it really is a great guide to helping people through that process. And then finally, I'm, I'm going to be releasing my next book, which is before you buy that building here soon too. So keep on the lookout for that. And guys, those books are on Amazon. So if you want a hard copy or is it digital as well on Amazon that you can purchase? Correct. Yeah, or, you can do digital yeah, or or uh, or uh, paperback, and and I, and at some point here soon, I'll try to see if I can do an audible version. But for now, those are the two yeah. uh, mediums. They're huge value add books, guys. I would definitely uh, tell you to go out there and look at that. But again, thank you, Raphael, for all of our viewers and listeners out there. If you're a viewer, uh, we're on YouTube. Please like and subscribe to this episode. Uh, comment below if there's anything that you guys would like to hear on our podcast. Uh, and for all the listeners out there, if you're on Apple, uh, uh, any other podcast uh, platform, please uh, like and subscribe, download our uh, 
podcast episode here and we appreciate it guys thanks for listening